Welcome back to the Just Go Grind podcast. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, the director of marketing at Vitalize Venture Capital. On today's episode, we have Chelsea Roney, the co-founder of Proxy, a company that makes mapping and crowdsourcing geographic data accessible to everyone. Proxy's no-code platform allows users to create customize and embed highly interactive maps into social media accounts, websites, and apps. There's a lot to dive into in this episode. Let's get to it. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yes, excited to chat about your journey with Proxy, everything you've done. For people who don't know about Proxy yet, what is this company, Chelsea? Yeah, so it's a, a technology where any individual or business can head to our site and create a customized map that they can share and embed in their websites or just use for a personal reason too. Like when I was doing research for this, thinking about the use cases and everything else with this, I'm like, okay, I want to get into this with her. But we have to go origin story first because people love the origin story. How did this company get started in the first place, Chelsea? Okay, it started in October of 2020. It was the first Halloween of the pandemic. And my co-founder and I both happened to be parents of small children. And so, of course, parents go over the top for their kids for holidays because you want them to be memorable and fun. You know the drill. Um, but anyway, so my co-founder was in a Facebook group in South Seattle. And it's a parent Facebook group. And this woman started as a discussion and it said, if your home is doing COVID safe trick-or-treating, then you should add your address to the comment thread. And hundreds of people were adding their addresses to the thread. Now, my my co-founder has experience in geospatial tools from her time in one of the US intelligence agencies. And she was like looking at these addresses thinking, this really doesn't make sense. Like, what are you gonna do as a parent? Go to the first one then map out the second one, but the third one might be closer than the second. Like it just <laughs> didn't check out. And so with her experience, she went ahead and built a map with all of the addresses included and then made it so she kind of hacked some tools that are out there today to make it so that people could add their homes to the map. Now, over 20, over 2000 uh, people added their homes to this map. It went viral. She was on Good Morning America. Meanwhile, she's calling me. We've been friends for a decade. I've built and sold a couple of businesses. And she was like, Chelsea, something is going on here. Like there's a need in the marketplace for crowdsourceable maps. And I was like, no way. We're in 2020. Like there's got to be a tool out there that does this. But there wasn't. And so that's what we ended up building. I want to go there. The product. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about the product early on, the initial version. Yeah, the initial version was really hinging on the fact that people needed crowdsourced a crowdsourced mapping tool. So we created this, you know, map built on the Google API where people could come in, add their add any map point to the map. And that's basically what it did at first. Now, what we discovered was that yes, people do need a crowdsourced mapping tool and we have a ton of people coming to our site to find that and, and use our product for that. But what we actually found out was that businesses were landing on our website and they were asking us for other features. And we were like, wait a minute, like there are other geo tools, you know, geospatial tools out there. Like how can this still be an unsolved issue? And so we just kept adding features as people would ask for them. And we were doing this part time. And all of a sudden it just became apparent that, you know, this really might be worth our full-time effort. And so we ended up um, applying to Techstars, which was an awesome experience. 
my previous businesses, one was bootstrapped and one was debt backed. And so I had never done the whole venture funding route. And (laughs) and it is a wild world out here. But I was like, I want to try it. And she wanted to too. And we were were really aligned on where we want to go and the scale at which we want to build. And we ended up getting connected to a founder here in Seattle who, you know, it's all about who you know. And she she knew someone uh, who would review the application at least, at least, you know, get a pair of eyes on the application. Um, and, and so we submitted it and we got accepted to Techstars and I'll tell you whatever you want to know, but okay, bada okay. bing, bada boom, we're Perfect. at present time. <laughs> Perfect. There's a lot to dig into. Okay. So what, at the time you applied to Techstars, take me through just like what the, briefly what the company was at. Like what kind of traction did you have by that point in time? Like before, you, as you applied, do you remember that? We probably had under a hundred live maps created by customers okay. at that time. Um, we had taken a pause after that. So after holiday 2020, we had used the map for like holiday lights and things. We had taken a brief pause to build out all of these different features that people were asking for. And then um, we applied in the fall of 2021 to Techstars right after we had relaunched with a um, a new product. And that had under 100 maps, I believe, by the time we applied. Um, but it quickly has grown since then. So then was it before Techstars or out of Techstars that you went like full-time into this? You're like, all right, we're going to do this. Explain that. Yeah. So as soon as we got into Techstars, um, we we went full-time. So we need, you know, we both have families and something that's really important to us is making sure that women or, you know, people, I guess, who are supporting their families are actually paid for their entrepreneurial endeavors um, in a way that makes it so that you can feed your kids and, you know, give them a decent life. And so we knew that we needed that uh, investment um, in order to go full time. We were both doing other things. So she was in a PhD program at the University of Washington, Jeez. focusing on the on human-centered design. And I owned a landscape installation business that it's kind of a long story, but that I had grown to be fairly sizable. And I sold that to work on this full-time in Techstars. Okay. So for in that, in, in the Techstars program, a lot of people, <laughs> founders are always curious about Techstars. I just had yeah. talked to someone in uh, in my founder community recently that was considering Techstars. And so take me through just the program itself, like the growth of Proxy, the evolution of Proxy during that time period. And then like what happened after you got out of Techstars? Yeah. So Techstars allowed us to do a couple of things. One, it gave us that financial freedom to concentrate full-time on our business. And obviously that's going to pay dividends. Yeah. Um, you get out what you put in. So first of all, for us, that was you know, being able to put our full manpower behind it. And we move really quick and we're pretty, um, you know, agile. So for us to be full-time made a really big impact really quickly in terms of not only like trying to figure out our ideal, you know, product market fit, um, you know, having time to contact different potential user groups, uh, but also having time to refine the product itself. It, so it gave us that full-time the ability to concentrate on it full time. It gave us the mentorship in terms of learning how to interact with VCs, learning how to, you know, there was a lot of content on how to build a company. Now I had done that before, but for many founders in the cohort, that was a new part of their experience. And 
So for me, it was a little bit of review, but nonetheless, super valuable. And then it provided literal mentors to us, which they've been invaluable to our company. You know, people who have done some really amazing things in in this world have lent us their ear and we've been able to ask any question that we want to and get real answers. And that makes a big difference when people are willing to be candid. Um, and then it did give us that connection to investors as well. And, yeah. you know, if you're not in that space before, it's about who you know, and you really just have to build that network. And the best way to build a network is with warm connections. So yeah. Techstars was invaluable for that. That's awesome. I know people mention uh, Techstars and the mentor madness you go through to get yeah, up and everything right. and that crazy <laughs> craziness and everything. Yeah. It was um, hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is that process like, actually? I'm curious. Uh, yeah, it's, it's busy. It's crazy. They, you know, you go through a couple of weeks of intensive meet and greets, if you will, where you go ahead and you you give your pitch to all of these different mentors and then you either they ask you questions that help you refine the pitch or you ask them questions that help you refine the pitch. Now, along the way, you meet some people who take really, you know, intense interest in you and your product and you can continue to follow up with them. At the end of Mentor Madness, however, you are matched up with one, two, three mentors for your company and you keep meeting with them throughout your time in the program. Following the program, you can choose to bring them on as an investor and they may have some equity in your company um, or you may um, decide to end the relationship at that point. But no matter what the case, you know, they give you a lot of great feedback throughout. Nice. And from that too, so you mentioned obviously connections through investors, which is a huge part of it. Uh, anyone yeah. going through an accelerator, uh, whether it be you know, Techstars, YC, whatever, like you mm-hmm. need to get funding for going this venture route. Yeah. Uh, take me through that. Raising $1.2 million. I know you had uh, Leslie, who's uh, from Grand oh. Walker. They mm-hmm. led uh, that round. Take me through raising that round because you had gone bootstrapped. You've done debt before. You have that experience. Like you get that, but venture is a whole different world for people who are not familiar. Uh, it's just much different, different expectations, everything. Just take me through your experience with that. Yeah, I think the biggest difference between venture and the other two, you know, bootstrapped and debt backed is the vision that you have to not only truly believe in yourself, <laughs> but that vision that you have to give to investors. And it's all about the way that you portray that vision, how big that vision can be how compelling you are at telling that story, a big part of being C-suite, so to speak, or like a co-founder or an owner at at that point in the company is being able to have the charisma to talk about your story in a way that gets other people excited. And that's going to be the foundation of a lot of your business growth to come. So I can see why that's a really important skill when you're raising money. (laughs) So I think that was one of the biggest differences in my experiences prior to Proxy is that honing in on your story, making it really crisp, being able to be really charismatic about it um, and, you know, represent that, that gigantic unicorn vision to people um, and then believe in it. With that, with that as well, I'm curious as to why, why Leslie and their team, um, obviously, oh. yeah, you get to get someone to write you a check, which is a huge part of it, but also yeah. as a founder, uh, you do have options in some ways. And obviously you reach out to a lot of people. Uh, you need that first person to like say yes to you. Tech stars in that way was the first person, but also then investors and then the VC side of it. Just take me through them specifically. You feel comfortable enough to be like, yeah, like we want them. Obviously that's a two way street there. Just take me through that as well. Yeah. I mean, Leslie 
of Grayman Walker is an amazing individual. She has a big dream for how she wants to change the world. I believe she says something like she wants to bring more women onto the Fortune 500 list um, in the next you know, X number of years. And yeah. she wants to make big bets and she wants to make them on good people, if you will. Um, and when you sit down with Leslie, one of the the most striking thing to me is her, the way that she conducts herself, especially in person. She is so present in the moment. She is truly trying to understand you. She's trying to understand your company. She's trying to understand where you're going. And so she's, she's at, willing to ask those tough questions and be real with you and challenge you on certain points, but not in a way that makes you feel like she knows more than you, if that makes sense. She's yeah. really trying to get to the bottom of, of the situation. And that's a little bit rare uh, whenever you're talking to a ton of VCs. And so that was striking. The other thing that was striking was that just how sharp she is when she starts talking about her background and um, just what she wants out of her future and what she wants for others. Um the way that she talks about it, the way that she represents it is just, you just know she's really intelligent and um, it really, I don't know how to describe it other than that. Like I want to be in her orbit. Yeah. I want to be involved sense. with what yeah. Yeah, she's doing. And that actually was yeah. her first deal that she let was. Uh, it was. <laughs> I, I'm well. pinching. No pressure. I mean, I, I mean, no pressure, but. We still pinch ourselves all the time. <laughs> she is just, um, we're really glad to be working yeah. with her. Yeah. One thing that you mentioned that I want to go back to real quick, because there's a, definitely a big difference people will find out when they get into the, the world of raising venture capital, is the vision you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And you have to have, okay, how is this being a multi-hundred million, if not multi-billion dollar company, especially when you're raising venture capital? What was that vision for Proxy in terms of what you were selling, and obviously still are, but to investors? Because yeah. I, I know people who haven't gone through this don't always understand how you have to have this massive vision, but like take me through what that is for a proxy. Yeah. So we want to be the geospatial powerhouse behind transformative human-centered interactions with the real world. Yeah. So it's all about for us, you know, the internet is where everyone gets their information, but the real world is where we exist. And there's this really special transition point that we see ourselves like in the middle of those two the internet and the real world and yeah. getting information to people so that they can leave their phone or their computer or their device and then navigate to the actual space where they will be in connection with other people is what we're trying to make better what we're trying to you know innovate on and we you know i'll be transparent while we may not know like the big 10-year vision we yeah. know that it starts with making local information more accessible to everyone and that's where proxy comes in with our map creators anyone can come to our site add map points whether it's an address or a lat long location they can write information about that spot and they can share it really easily with others yeah. And that's not exactly something that was easy to do before proxy existed. And we really view ourselves as exposing that local knowledge to people. Now, 
as we go into the future, it's all about how to make that searchable, discoverable, um, integrated with things like AR um, as you are navigating the real world. And what do those transformative experiences really look like as you navigate the world in the future? You know, I don't know the exact answer, but I know that my co-founder and I are really passionate about this space and we will be the answer. We will innovate until we, you know, we're going to be the top of the line um, yeah. for navigating the world. So exciting. It's a <laughs> big exciting. space to tackle. Um, it's a really big space to tackle. It's about mapping right now, but it's a much deeper passion for how we help people navigate in the future. Okay. I do a lot of research on every, every guest for these. So I have a little context from different interviews and stuff you've done. I'm oh curious, <laughs> you mentioned uh, in the interview, you're like talking about basically like, yeah, taking on like Yelp and Google Maps. Yes, that's so, right. Which is, I love. As soon as I heard that, I was like, I'm going to bring that up. I'm bring that up in the interview for sure. How do yeah. you look at that in terms of like the, dif- just in terms of okay. the differences and that side of the Listen, idea? let's talk about this. I think this is, it's so easy to chat through this. Yes. All right. When you go to Yelp, let's say, and when I go to Yelp, and let's say we're standing right next to each other mm-hmm. and we type in restaurants near me, we get the same list of restaurants returned. And that list of restaurants on Google or Yelp is primarily based on ad revenue, right? So you see all of these ads kick to the top. You see really stale reviews. Well, when I search for restaurants near me, I mean a restaurant where my two-year-old can throw a pizza on the floor. When you search restaurants near me, I'm not really sure of your personal circumstances, but you might mean like a a bougie date night near me. You're not wrong, Chelsea. (laughs) Hey. So... (laughs) I miss those days. <laughs> so whenever um, we're both searching for these restaurants, we both get this same returned list or a really similar return list, but the yeah. results don't make sense for either of us. Yeah. What you're really searching for is a totally different thing than what I am. And so what proxy is going to help people discover is places based on their interests, based on their demographic. And the way that we're doing that is by focusing on the map creator, which is yeah. so important. Because I know as a mom of really young kids that there are all these mommy bloggers out there that I follow and they provide excellent recommendations for my use case. Yeah. So when I see their map pop up, I'm going to say, I trust that one. And when you see some I don't know, like some Michelin list produced by like, I'm not really sure, you know, some, (laughs) some like media company or whatever. Maybe that's what you trust because that's who you're, who you're looking for and, and, and what you're searching. So really we're going to turn it searching for where to go and what to do on its head by focusing on the trusted point of view of the map creator. Now you'll be able to, you know, there's a whole vision baked into this, but you'll be able to save the points off other people's maps. It'll be kind of like a Pinterest experience and that's all in the near term. But as we go, we plan to evolve. To that exact point, I I think it's interesting to hear platforms uh, that are doing it in a verticalized way too. So like if I look Mm -hmm. at a platform like um, my friend Sam from Well Traveled, they're they're doing the like food wrecks and like restaurant so food and then also like the hotels and stuff wrecks for like their like vertical because to your exact point yelp is like kind of trash in that way um so like to have a platform that can do like everyone can make their their own map i see the value of that obviously is clearly there because there's so many things to your point the use cases are tremendous in that way and also like as soon as i saw proxy i was like all right we have an angel investing group where i would love to know where the members are in the world that'd be cool to see a map i have it listed on my to-do list now i have a founder community I'll just go grind the founder community um, where I have all these 
founders that are all over the world. I'm like, I would be kind of curious to know where everyone is so they can like connect to each other and stuff. Proxy seems like a very interesting thing for that. Also wrote that down as an option of like, okay, I need to look into actually creating this. So I see that like there's so many use cases. But to that point then, for you and like the team and looking at building Proxy, how do you look at customer acquisition <laughs> in terms of that? Because there's okay, just so many different things. I'll be honest with you. And I like listening to podcasts where people are a little bit honest. So I try, I, <laughs> I uh, err on that side of that. things. Um, but you know what? That has been a struggle for us because every morning when Melinda and I wake up, we see a world where literally you just brainstormed a few maps and yeah. we see a world where everyone <laughs> has multiple maps and every business has multiple maps, like visualizing data internally, externally. So to answer your question, it's hard to focus. And I think yeah. um, I'll talk about two things. One thing is that we struggle most with awareness marketing campaigns when we're trying to message because which message do you use? <laughs> do we message to the map viewer? Do we message to the map creator? Do we message to businesses, individuals? What businesses? What individuals? Um, we have a new version of our site coming in. Um, hopefully it makes it a little clearer. But um, it's, it's really difficult. Um, the second thing I want to talk about is um, finding our product market fit and ideal customer profile. Everyone can use a map. So it's like, how do you determine how you take those baby steps toward becoming a huge company and what customer profiles get you the farthest, the fastest in terms of building that company? Now, where we are currently is that we're targeting places like hospitality groups, uh, short-term rental owners, and that is going really well. Those groups... And those individuals need to use our product as it is today. So yeah. we don't need to add any features. They're excited for what we have now, uh, which is kind of the sweet spot whenever you're developing a product. So we're excited about that. Additionally, uh, our secondary target market is economic development groups. So organizations like Chamber of Commerces or nonprofits, um, they can put together maps for like volunteer days or relocation guides and things like this. And we've had really great success in all three of those groups. Um, so, you know, we've identified those groups as being ready to use the product as it is today. And that's why yeah. we're going after them. But it's tough. It, it's really hard um, okay. to figure Be out. Because you're in this now, it's perfect. I can ask these questions. Okay, uh, tell me. Think of it. Okay, so with this then, to that point, you mentioned like part of it is, okay, with the product as it is today, who are the yeah. customers for like today? Yeah. What yeah. are some of those other questions that like you two are pinging back and forth on in terms of the next set of, of customers slash when that happens, whatever? Because I love to geek out about marketing and customer acquisition, obviously. So that's just what I would talk about for sure. But I'm curious about how you're thinking about it, what questions you're asking, or like, how do you even think about for other founders? So the next set of customers want to monetize their maps. They want to be map influencers, if you will place influencers. So there are plenty of companies out there that allow influencers, whether that's an individual or a business, to monetize recommendations. Now, primarily companies have solved that for product-based recommendations. So you'll have affiliate links or Amazon storefront or, you know, you know, however that's solved on that side. But right now, location-based monetization and conversion 
is not understood and it's not a solved problem. And so we are, I'm not going to talk about the exact features we're we're adding there quite yet, Um, but we are adding features that allow people to better understand analytics behind their maps, better partner with, um, you know, places that they put on their maps and to allow them to monetize some of those partnerships as well. Nice. To to that point, monetization, let's just dive right into that. How do you think about business Mm -hmm. model? Like, you know, how does this thing make money eventually? Like, what do you think about for that? So near term for us, it's a SaaS product. We're on the verge of a couple of really good partnerships uh, with larger organizations. Uh, They will pay us by the month um, to use proxy, to buy seeds, to buy training. Um, uh, So, so that's the near-term monetization plan. Now in the long term, you can guess that (laughs) part of our monetization plans has to do with monetizing the map content, uh, you know, an affiliate model, but maybe more advanced that I don't know how to describe it, like affiliate, but better. And then also, of course, some advertising or map sponsorships, but never would that result in promoting one map over another. It would be like highlighting um, points on a map that have already been added there. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah. There's obviously so many ways to go around with that business model. Yeah, there's the a lot. And and... There's a lot behind it. And, you know, we, we suspect that there are other revenue models as well. And um, we're open to those. And, and I think part of being a really good entrepreneur is staying open for future developments. Uh, that's where I found a lot of my success is like sometimes you you have a big vision, yes, but you go from one step to the next in a really logical and data-driven way. And sometimes it just shows you the way. And so we are, you know, we're really big on KPIs and bringing in data and making sure we make every decision with data. So so we're excited about where that will lead us. Okay, you talk, talked a little bit about the product, some of the growth stuff. The 1.2 million, what was that intended for in terms of uh, yeah, use of funds? Yeah, so uh, hiring... Uh, we have two engineers right now, which is really great. Um, so we've got another couple of part-timers on board and, and they've made a, you know, having that much uh, engineering talent has been um, transformational for our product. Um, and, you know, once you get the product right, it starts to kind of sell itself, if you will. I mean, of course you have to have that fit, but if you do it the right way, um, it just takes off. And I know that from my other couple of businesses. So we're really big on trying to get it right. Um, and then we do have a significant portion of that spend going to marketing every month. So we run awareness campaigns on, you know, social media platforms, um, email. Um, okay. On that, on that note, if you're willing to share even just like an allocation percentages or like roughly, like roughly some of the things you're, you're using to market, like, I just would love to hear it. I'm curious. Yeah. I, I'm always very curious about that. <laughs> I have that same question for everyone. <laughs> Um, so right now we've chosen, well, we've done a lot of experiments. Um, social has really been the biggest bang for our buck. Um, and I don't think that's too different for a lot of companies. Um, in-person events have had a surprisingly high ROI for us, uh, because when we go and sponsor a convention or something like that, a lot of times we meet other sponsors that will adopt proxy and embed us in their app or something like that. So we, we view, um, 
an ideal customer is having a high frequency of maps created in high viewership. And a lot of times like meeting other sponsors uh, results in those things. So that has been a really high return for us. Nice. And when you say social, what are you talking? Are we talking Instagram? Are we talking- we're talking the basics. LinkedIn? We're talking Facebook. Meta. We're talking LinkedIn. We're talking Twitter and and uh, Meta, Facebook, and Insta, yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, we're in our near-term future. We're going to branch into Pinterest and TikTok. You know, we're always testing, though, new and different marketing spend tactics and trying to determine um, what makes the most sense. But I was reading, um, just took it out of my bag. Um a book called Traction. I'm sure there yeah. are a few books called Traction. There's two, but I have both of them, so I know it's going Yes, <laughs> but really what they, they make a good point and they say, you know, if something's working, sometimes you go all the way in on that one thing that's working. And for us, when we get, you know, a lead that costs 30 cents or a dollar on Facebook, like that's working. And so, you know, we're, we're leaning into that and until we get a bigger staff, like sometimes that's, what yeah. we need to lean into. So oh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. And so I'm always like, yeah, like I said, I'm curious always how people are approaching it. Cause there are so many different ways. And like the things you get excited about, like are the ones that, yeah, you find some gem of a channel that's being underutilized and you're just like, yes, look at this yeah. lead. Like, this is amazing. Like, like I've talked to so many different founders now. So it's like, yeah, someone's leveraging micro influencers on TikTok, for instance, for a product. I've seen oh, okay. that. I've seen yeah. Like, yeah, there's okay. so many different things. So we are, we are, we are utilizing influencers. We run influencer campaigns every month. We're also big into working with um, an SEO firm that has done some yes. good stuff for us. Um, and we're actually something I'm really excited about that we're doing is making it so that our embedded maps have actual like text that, um, Google can read. And so, um, when you look at the number of backlinks you need to really make a dent on ranking on Google, you need a a load of them. But the good thing about proxy is that people are embedding our maps every day. And so when we can get those backlinks from those places that other people are choosing to embed them organically. Like that's, it's making a big difference for us. So we're really excited about that strategy as well. And when you look at some of the big hitters like Canva um, and a couple other organizations, a lot of their growth was based on good SEO and um, being able to be found online. So uh, we're going to attempt uh, to work in a similar way. You definitely see that with other companies doing like a, a badge or something on their site to get that link essentially back. And it's just like, I get it. I understand like that growth. You get it. Flywheel right there. You're like, yes. Okay. I see what yeah. you're doing here. And I, yeah. Yeah. Another way we're working on growth though is product led growth. So our maps have potential to be viral. Um, they're really shareable. Uh, it's easy to create your own. Once you've seen someone else's, we've made it easy to save a map, share a map, build your own map all from a map that you might see out there in the wild. So uh, that, that's that been a really interesting tactic for us is um, enhancing our product so that other people want to use it when they see it out there. Yeah. And you've, okay, you've talked about a lot of different features that you had requests from early on from, from mm-hmm. users and everything. And you can blend those out. One of the things recently you launched was accounts. Yeah. I'm curious how that came about and also just more broadly how you're thinking about new features because you can't listen to everyone's requests because you can't build everything. <laughs> so like, how do you, how do you prioritize? Yeah, that's a great question. So first of all, we write down literally every piece of feedback that we get. We track all of it. We tally against it. You know, the number of times that we hear something from who do we hear, you know, what weight does a certain user group hold? For sure. Um, all of that goes into the equation. Um, 
it's one of our company values to listen to our users. So that's a huge part of our leadership team discussions. Um, so we always knew we would have to make accounts. Um, we just had kind of delayed doing it because it was a major engineering lift and we wanted to make sure that people would use proxy in the first place. And now that we have thousands of people using proxy and thousands and thousands of viewers every month, we knew that we had to execute on making it easy for people to see all of the maps that they have created in their past. And, um, also, when you bookmark a map, it goes to the same, like your backpack is what we call it. So you put yeah. a map in your backpack. Uh, but we always knew that accounts were essential uh, for the eventual paying customer in terms of knowing uh, or being able to reference all of your maps in one place. People have a really high propensity to not only make one map, but come back again and again uh, to make more maps. So that's something we're tracking as well. Okay, that's what I was going to ask about too. <laughs> yeah, we suspect that over time, we're really young and we only just implemented some of this tracking stuff. So yeah, yeah. we don't have the data yet, but what we're initially starting to see is like, you know, X number of people come back in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Like we can expect a map user who has an active map and we have metrics on, you know, what does active mean too? You know, what's their propensity to create more maps, how many maps and in what time frame? So we can start to model all of that out as well. Have you read the cold start problem? Andrew Chen, this book. Ooh, I think I read it in maybe as part of my MBA a long time. I've no, I, it's, oh, it's a new been one. a minute. This is a new one. This is a new one. Actually. Oh, this, this is, a is a new one. Yeah, this is a different okay. one. So Andrew Chen, um, give me this. I think about it. I just just listening to it today. I have his audiobook version of it. Um, it's all about network effects, basically, and mm. the whole startup of that. And he's talking mm -hmm. about the growth of you have like Tinder, you have Uber, all these different uh, companies, and the thing you just mentioned around that with having these network, different networks on and figuring out, you know, which features to have for them to kind of fuel that yeah. and everything. It's an interesting read that I, I'll read it. I feel like you probably would benefit, but just came yeah. to mind. So I had to say it. Um, Please, yeah. But to that point, there's so many things you could be doing as a founder. Obviously you're always trying to prioritize, which, uh, which oh. is a struggle I hear about in the community all the time. People are like doing a thousand different things, which is tough. One of the things I'm curious about, cause I heard this on a different podcast you did as well. Uh, in terms of businesses, like you've done multiple businesses now, obviously, and you talked about like the sacrifices to get to this point, but you're happy that you're at this point in your career, then you've done all these things. But just take me through that. Like what what keeps you going? What fuels you through? Yeah, you have to make sacrifices to have businesses and be an entrepreneur, but then you also have a family and other things. Just like how has that gone for you, Chelsea? Uh, what keeps me going is the question I'll tackle first. And that is just this insatiable drive to figure out what will make a business work. I I cannot stop. I'm sure to the chagrin of my husband and <laughs> literally everyone around me, it's wild. But ever since I was, you know, 20-ish years old, and even before that, I had little baby businesses and I just love it. I love figuring out why someone makes a purchase or uses a product, you know, what offering brings the most value to a customer, how to position it. I mean, it's like putting together a 1000 piece puzzle. And you know how people are really obsessed with puzzles. That's kind of how I feel about building a business is like, it's just a puzzle. And I really love putting together the pieces. <laughs> and then in terms of balancing everything, I live by my calendar. Um, after I had kids, it, it I'll be straight. It, having kids was a really tough transition for me. I'm a workaholic. I would wake up you know, early and work late and have no, pro love it, like no problem at all with it. Um, but I've had to learn that, you know, kids 
they've readjusted my priorities and they they're by far and away my most important priority. And so when I look in their little eyes, you know, um, and they say, mommy, don't leave me in the mornings. I literally have to make the conscious choice to leave them. I mean, we're in a privileged position where, you know, I've sold a business or two, you know, I know this is all very privileged to say, but I could be at home. And so to look them at in their eyes and like say, no, mommy is going to go do this dream and like go try to make this work. Like I'm tearing up just thinking about it. Like I have to make that conscious choice that this, you know, this is how it's I'm spending it. my time. But on the flip side, right, I have really strict boundaries and that's only come into play in the last year or so, you know, even though they're four and two, like it's taken me a long time to figure it out. Like I'm going to stop working at five and I'm going to be with them 110% until they close their little eyes. And then, you know, when they go to bed, like I've also gotten a lot better about spending time with my husband because he just cannot understand why I would choose this life for myself. (laughs) So like, you know, half the, half the days, like we'll end up doing something fun, like watch a show or whatever. But the other half the days I do choose to work, you know, after they go to bed. So it's kind of a grind, but, um, I think anyone listening knows like when you've got a passion, you just, it doesn't feel that way. Yeah, I listened to yeah. a show called "Just Go Grind," so I think they'll understand. <laughs> think they'll, they think, know, they know. Understand, Chelsea? Everyone uh, here, they definitely know. Uh, yeah, this is a weird thing. Like the boundaries is important. I think that's even talking to uh, like Gail at our firm uh, at Vitalize, in terms of our yeah. venture firm, like her trying to figure out that piece of it was well. Because mm-hmm. if you're a GP at a uh, emerging manager at a firm, like it's very hard. There's so many things you're doing all the time. Uh, yeah. I think about it constantly too, running like vitalize stuff and just go grind stuff it's always there's so yeah. much going on so they're trying to figure out that mix and balance how did you get to that piece of it like 5 p.m you're done also what time do you start i'm just curious like structure is great i love hearing people who have, have set boundaries because it's like yeah. trying to figure out how you do it yeah i mean um i start at about 8 15 um when our nanny comes and yeah. i work as hard and as fast as i can until I leave and come back at around five. Um, I have a a list of priorities that I do try to get through every day, like a one, two, and a three. And um, literally I call my day a success after probably the second one. And I've mentally had to drill that into my head. Like you are okay. You're a success. You made it through those (laughs) P1 and P2 things. Um, And I, you know, it's all about having the mental fortitude to figure out what does matter what will move the needle forward and not working in your business you have to like work on it which i'm i know you're familiar with so yeah no it's absolutely that's absolutely true and i'm glad you share that i think there's so much that, to that it's hard hard always because you're like oh i can just i can do more but it never ends it of never, course it's never you can like, do more yeah, yeah you can always do more there's never there's always more stuff to do if you're running a company right so it's like you have to set i could it. easily work for like three business weeks straight without even pausing to determine the next going down that list here there's another thing i have to do and then as you're going you're like oh this new fire pops up to solve this Mm -hmm. issue and like i was talking to someone uh recently too who was like yeah i just spent the last like five hours trying to put out this fire and it's like 3 a.m in like europe he's doing this right it's like call with me and i'm like oh man that's insane but that's the reality sometimes of like the craziness that can pop up where it's like yeah Mm -hmm. this thing is down and it like we need the website up, so we have to get it done, and it's not done until it's done. It's like that's just the reality sometimes, which is crazy. Um, yeah. But there's a lot of obviously ups from that as well, and you enjoy doing it, which is why you are doing it as well. Um, as we kind of wrap things up, I'm just curious, what's next for 
proxy. Okay. Uh, what's next? I heard a lot of things, so I was like a little tongue-tied. Uh, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> what, uh, like what? <laughs> so many things are next. Yeah. All the things are next. But the biggest thing that's next is something we haven't announced, but why not here? A Chrome extension. Ooh, and um, yeah, one of the biggest things uh, that we've gotten feedback on, well, we always knew this would be part of the product, but anyway, people still give us feedback. They're like, hey, you know, what if we don't know what we want to add to our map? Like they need a search function basically. So the Chrome extension allows people when they're going to research what they want to put on their maps or they're just even came across an article like top 10 things to do this weekend. You can just pull that location off of the article and very much like Pinterest, like put put it on one of your maps, whichever nice. one that you choose. Yeah. So we are incredibly excited about that. We think it's going to unlock quite a bit for us, but one ideal customer profile that has requested this a couple of times is media companies because they already spend the time writing this great content about where to go and what to do. And they want to supplement it with a map. They don't want to replace it with a map, but they want to help their users visualize their info with a map. And since they've already done the work of writing this article, it's going to be so much easier for them to just click, 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 put it on your map and then embed your map it all in, you know, just a few steps. So we're excited for that. Well, I feel special that you shared that here. So that's great. <laughs> Amazing. Surprise, everyone. <laughs> Chelsea, where yeah. is the best place to learn more about uh, your company as well as connect with you? Well, we'd love to hear from everybody. Um, love your feedback. You can find Proxy at proxi.co. I know we're coming after the .com, but not yet. <laughs> um, and then across social channels at some variation of proxy.co. Perfect. Thank you so much for the time today, Chelsea. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I had a great time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. If you want to follow along on the socials for all things Just Go Grind and with me as well, you can find Just Go Grind on Instagram and Twitter at Just Go Grind. You can find me on Twitter at JustinGordon212. Find me on Instagram, JustinGordon8. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.